not true. As long as you make your payment by the payment due date, then you do not incur any interest, even though the payment due date is usually weeks after the statement closing date. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. It's just going to be me today while Megan and I continue to figure out how to record this thing 13 hours apart in time zones. And today I'm going to talk about a topic that we get a lot of questions about because it's kind of confusing at first for a lot of people. And that topic is credit scores and credit card statements. A lot of people have misconceptions about credit scores, how credit cards can affect it, and just how it works in general. And a lot of people have trouble understanding how your credit cards, your statements, when you pay the statements, just everything around this, how that affects your credit score. So today I'm just going to go through as much of it as I can, hopefully in a quick, concise, but informative and helpful way. So let's talk about, first of all, the credit score and the components that determine what your credit score is, because that is something that people probably just don't know about and is very well defined. And so I'll break down the different components and how important each one of those is. And then later on, I'll talk about the implications of how different behaviors can affect those components and how to strategize around them and things to avoid. So the most important thing in your credit score is your payment history. And that determines 35% of your overall score. And that is as simple as just making sure you pay on time. And we always tell people you should pay in full and on time, right? Because you don't want to incur interest. But the truth is that even if you do incur interest and you just make a minimum payment, that is still going to count as an on-time payment. And that is the aspect of this that affects your credit score. Still, you should be paying it in full and on time, but on time is the component is the part that affects the payment history here. 35% of your score. The next most important element is utilization. How much of your available credit are you using on a regular basis? This is one that a lot of people get confused about. So we'll talk more about this later, but this determines 30% of your credit score. So those two alone determine two-thirds of your credit score. So if you can sort of master those two things and just p- make sure you're paying attention to them, you're gonna your credit score is going to be mostly okay. But next up is average credit length. And that accounts for 15% of your credit score. And what this means is, let's say you have a card, one credit card, and it's been open for two years, right? And that's your only credit card. Your average credit length is two years. Now, if you then go ahead and open a new card, So one of your cards is two years old and one of your cards is essentially zero years old, right? When you open it, your average credit length will then be one year. Okay, so that's how that works. Again, we'll talk a little bit more about that and some ways to strategize around that. That accounts for 15%. Now, the next thing is new credit, which is another term for this is hard inquiries. And this is when you apply for something and they have to check your credit score. That's this is the thing that gets affected. And this accounts for 10% of your credit score. So a very little amount. And this is a thing that people say, if I'm applying for a lot of credit cards, am I just going to absolutely decimate my credit score? And hopefully this helps you realize that when you apply for new things and your credit score gets checked, um, it's actually a pretty small amount here. And usually 
things like hard inquiries here, like when your credit score gets checked, that generally only dings you a very small amount on your credit score. Usually it will go down by a few points, but generally speaking, in about two months, your score will recover as long as you're um, being responsible and paying everything. Those few points you should recover from very quickly. And that's why applying for um, a number of credit cards over time is not actually that detrimental to you. And finally, the least important is credit mix. And this also accounts for 10%, but this is not something that you can really uh, strategize around. It doesn't have any real implications. And credit mix means like different types of credit. So maybe you have a credit card, maybe you have uh, a car loan or things like that, just different, different types of credit. And don't worry about that one. Uh, and that is what makes up the credit score. So let's move on to talking. So that's just defining all of the terms. And let's now define terms around credit card statements. Okay. So a credit card statement is when you, is something that comes out every month after you've spent on your card, you get a statement. It tells you things like how much money you spent over the last month, what your balance is at the end of the month. Um, and it has some terms like a payment due date and a statement closing date. It'll tell you how much interest you've incurred if you have incurred any, which again, try not to. Um, and the key here that you wanna understand is the difference between the statement closing date and the payment due date and how interest works. At what point do you incur interest? And let me explain. So let's say your statement closed, let's say your statement period is like the first through the 30th of a given month, just hypothetically here. The statement closing date will be the 30th of the month. That's when your statement ends. And so what appears on your statement will be all of the activity that happened, all of the purchases you made, returns you made, credits that were earned on your account, whatever, between the 1st and the 30th, okay? The payment due date is not the same as the closing date. So if your statement closes on the 30th, your payment for that statement period might not be due until maybe the 20th of the following month. And a lot of people think that if you don't pay until the 20th, that you're going to get, you're going to incur interest. And that is not true. As long as you make your payment by the payment due date, then you do not incur any interest, even though the payment due date is usually weeks after the statement closing date. So let me say that one more time. Your statement closes on the 30th and you have a payment due. As long as you make that payment by the payment due date, which could be weeks after that, you will not incur any interest, okay? And we have said this multiple times, but the easiest way to make sure you are doing this correctly is to set up auto pay, right? Because you shouldn't be spending money you wouldn't otherwise spend um, on credit cards. And therefore you should be able to just set up an auto payment and have those payments pulled automatically every month and you don't have to worry about this stuff. Your, your on-time payments will be on time, etc. So that's how statements work. And so you don't have to be as afraid of incurring interest because it's it takes a long time for that interest to actually kick in, generally speaking. Now let's talk about some important things to remember. Making your payments, like I said, is the most important thing you can do because if you miss a payment, that is going to have a high impact on your credit score. Remember, it take, that accounts for 35% of your score. And the negative thing about this as well is it takes a long time for those missed payments to fall off of your credit score. It can take years 
for them to fall off of your credit score. And that also means that even once your score goes up, like even if you're able to recover, your number goes up when you're applying for things. Um, and this is more than just like nice travel cards. This could be important things like a, a mortgage or, or a car loan or, or anything. Maybe you're getting a new apartment or something. When people check your credit, they'll see that you have these missed payments. So even if your score is up, it's still kind of a bad look. And so that's why making your payments, no matter what, even if it's a minimum payment, like I said earlier, and not the full payment, still just make that minimum payment at all costs, okay? Because that's going to ensure that you don't have the highest impact negative event on your credit score. Another important thing to remember is keep a low credit utilization. So like I said earlier, credit utilization is the second most important thing. And there, this is something where there are other misconceptions and there are ways to strategize around this. And this is something I do actually a lot. Let's look at an example. Let's say you have a credit card and you have a limit of $1,000 and that's your credit limit, okay? You want to keep a utilization no higher than 30%. And that's because if it's higher than 30% about, your credit score will decrease from month to month. So you want your utilization to be lower than that. Personally, I keep a utilization under 10%. Ideally, if you're trying to be really meticulous, you can go to like 2 to 5%. And you might be thinking, okay, well, if my credit limit is $1,000 and I want to have a utilization of 2%, that's $20. So like, what's the point of even having the card if I'm only going to put $20 of spend on it? It's useless. So like, I'll earn 20 points or 30 points or something. So like, why even bother? And this is where you get strategic. So your utilization is determined by your balance on your card at the statement close date, okay? So let's go back to statements here. Your statement period is the 1st through the 30th of the month. On the 30th, whatever your balance is at that time is what your utilization will be. So if you have a card with $1,000, you're racking up expenses over the course of a month and you end the month with a $700 balance. Let's say you spend $700 on the card, on the 30th, the statement closes, your balance is 700 on your statement, therefore you have a 70% utilization. That's bad, it's not bad, but it's high. It's gonna hurt your credit score over time if you keep doing that, and even if you pay it in full, right? So what you wanna do is, before the statement closes on the 30th, maybe on the 25th or something, you could make a $500 payment ahead of time, and then your balance goes down to $200. And on the 30th, when your statement closes, your utilization is only 20%. Even though you still spent $700 on the card over the course of a month, your utilization at the end of the month will be 20% because you made a prepayment, right? So it's only whatever number your balance is when the statement closes. Anything you do before that doesn't, doesn't affect your utilization, okay? So theoretically here, what you could do is spend $900 on the card pay off $900 ahead of time, spend another $900 on the card, pay that off ahead of time, spend another $900 on the card, pay that off ahead of time. And in a month, even with a card that only has a $1,000 limit, you've just spent almost $3,000 in the course of a month. And as long as you're making those prepayments, you can still have a utilization of something very, very low. And that's going to increase your credit score over time. Keeping a low utilization of like under 10%, that's going to boost your score. And so even though it's a little bit tedious, it, it's a good way and an easy way 
to ensure that your score is going up and to continue earning points even on even if you have a card with a lower limit you can still be using that card to rack up lots of points even with a low limit because you can just make prepayments and there is a term for this it's called credit card cycling like you're using all of your available credit paying it off ahead of time and then using it again and if you're doing this really aggressively banks might not like it so try not to do what I just explained in that example, like spending your full credit limit and paying it off and spending it the full limit again all in the course of a month. It's just more of a, a tool that you have in your back pocket. Like if you do need to make some larger expenses and, and you want to keep a low utilization, this is how you can do it. Now let's talk about another strategy here. Your uh, average credit length. Now this accounts for only 15% of your score, but there are some implications, right? Because I gave you the example earlier of if you have a credit card that's two years old and then you open a brand new card, your average credit length is now one year. And this is, that's bad because essentially you cut your average credit length in half, that's going to ding your credit. Now there's obviously no way to avoid this at first when you're getting started with credit cards, but over time, there is a strategy of keeping your oldest credit card open as long as possible. So eventually, maybe you open like some random card when you're in college or when you're younger. And then like 10 years down the road, if you have this card that's sort of anchoring your credit length, because basically the longer your overall credit, the better that looks to the banks. So it doesn't have a huge implication on your credit score, but it looks good if they see that you've been a responsible um, client or you've responsibly managed credit for a long period of time, that's good. Now, 10 years later, after you open that first card, if you decide like, oh yeah, like I never used this thing. It was a crappy card. It was just like kind of my first starter card. I'm going to close it. That can have a major impact on your credit score because all of a sudden you're decreasing drastically the overall credit length. And then when you go to the banks, in their eyes, they're going to see that you don't have any credit that's that old and it'll look like you're like a newer credit holder. So for a lot of reasons, credit score and just your profile to banks and other lenders, it's important to try to keep that open as long as possible. And so if you're getting started, the strategy here would be to pick a card that either has no annual fee, is a card you know you'll keep forever, or is a card that has an option to be downgraded to a card with a low or no annual fee. So for example, let's say, you're really into hotels um, and you want to get like a premium Hilton card and you get the Hilton Aspire card that costs like $600 a year. And then like a few years down the road, you're like, oh man, like I'm not getting a ton of value from this. I, It's a huge annual fee. I don't want to keep paying it, but I also don't want to cancel it because it's my oldest card. Well, thankfully you can downgrade that to the Hilton card that has no annual fee and then you don't have to worry about it. You can just keep that card open forever and there's no annual fee to worry about. So it's not costing you anything, but you're still keeping that anchored credit length. And so think about that. And if you're in that situation where you have a card that's been open for a while, look at your options or even call the bank and just say, hey, uh, I'm not getting a lot of value from this card. I don't want to close it. Are, what are my options for, for downgrading this or doing a product change to a different type of card? Uh, so you make sure you keep that open throw it in the drawer or in a safe or your desk or whatever and forget about it and it'll help your credit score over time because you've kept it open now something there is 
if you do totally forget about it, the bank could automatically close it. Like if you don't put any purchases on it. So for me with my oldest card, I pay for storage, like online storage um, with a company, like just to store files and things like that on the cloud. And it costs like $1.50 a month or something like that. And I pay for it every month. That's the purchase that I have with my oldest credit card. And so every month, at least some amount of spending is going on the card, but it's minimal spending. It's just set up for auto pay. So that $1.50 just gets paid off. It has no annual fee. And so it's anchoring my credit. There are regular purchases going on it. So the bank's not going to just automatically close it for inactivity. And I don't have to think about anything. So that's how, how I sort of deal with that. Another thing to think about here is that your credit score isn't set in stone. If you have bad credit and you're thinking to yourself, I wish I could get involved in travel hacking and credit cards and stuff, but like I have bad credit or like I damaged my credit when I was younger and um, I have no hope. Uh, <laughs> that's not true. So I've had a couple of friends who have had pretty bad credit profiles, not just credit scores, but like derogatory marks, maybe like something that went to collections at some point when they were younger and like they forgot about it. And it's kind of been like dragging their credit score down for years now. And it's never too late to start fixing your credit, but also everything falls off of your credit report at some point. It can be a long time. It can be years, but eventually anything that's on your credit score now will be off of your credit score. So time heals all wounds, uh, as we say, <laughs> at least related to, to credit. And so something else you can do instead of just waiting is you can actually contact the credit bureaus uh, like TransUnion and Equifax, and you can request for things to be removed from your credit profile. And this is actually, if, so first of all, if something's just really old, maybe let's say you had uh, a bill and you just forgot to pay it or like the payment didn't go through it ended up going to collections it was some stupid mistake um and the the overall amount like wasn't that much it was like a 50 dollars stupid bill but now it's been dragging your credit score down for years you can contact equifax and say and explain the situation and they can sometimes just remove that derogatory mark from your credit profile and then all of a sudden your credit score and your credit profile is is clean um and they can get rid of these dumb things. And they can also contact the companies that um, have like caused those bad marks. Like maybe if you owe money to on a credit card from like 20 years ago and like you never paid it or whatever, the credit bureau can contact the, the bank or the lender in question here and request to like have that just removed, like just write it off essentially. So it's always worth reaching out to ask and it's worth continuing to check in on your credit profile and you know you'll see when things get removed from your credit and see when negative things get removed from your credit report and the other thing is you can do the same thing with mistakes so um, sometimes the marks on your credit profile are not uh, accurate they sometimes they shouldn't be there so I had a situation some years ago where I applied for a credit card and for one reason or another there were two hard inquiries on my credit profile for the same card. It was like on the same date, two different hard inquiries. And it should have just been one. I just applied for one card. And so I contacted the credit bureau and I said, hey, um, there are two hard inquiries. It's from the same bank for the same card on the same date. 
you know, it's, it's a mistake. It's some kind of error. And they were able to fix that for me. I don't know exactly what happened. They might've contacted the bank. They might've just done it, but there are actual people working behind these credit bureaus. And so it doesn't hurt to just reach out and ask. And like I said, I've had friends with um, some negative aspects to their credit reports and they were able to recover from it pretty quickly just by, like I said, reaching out, uh, waiting for some things to fall off and just starting right now to be better about, be more meticulous and responsible with how you behave with your credit. So it's never too late, basically. And the best time to start working on that is right now. So um, let's see, what else? Oh, let's talk about um, available credit. So there are some situations where you might want to increase or decrease your credit score. So a lot of the time, if you're if you have a credit card with a bank and you're a good responsible customer like you should be then they might reach out to you and say hey you're you're a cool customer we like you do you want to increase your credit limit um and in that situation what should you do well if you increase your credit limit the benefits there are that um, your utilization will be easier to manage like if you have more available credit then your spending will account for a smaller percentage of that available credit. Therefore, your utilization will be lower. And sometimes if you have a high enough credit score, you might not have to do the uh, hack that I mentioned earlier, where you're sort of like prepaying and stuff like that. You can just spend normally and you're still going to have a really low utilization, which might make things a little bit easier for you. Um, so that can be helpful. And you can actually reach out to the bank and request a credit limit increase as well. Uh, the other... Um, perk to having a higher credit limit is it opens you up to more product change possibilities. So sometimes banks have rules where there's a minimum credit limit uh, for a given card, right? And so sometimes if you want to do a product switch, let's say you have one card and you want to switch to a different card, maybe that card you want to switch to requires you to have more credit to have it open, just like the minimum limit is a is higher than the one you have. So increasing your, your credit limit opens you up to more possibilities when you do want to do a product change for cards that have a higher minimum limit than what you have. Uh, so that's another factor here. Um, but sometimes, actually, decreasing your credit limit is also a good idea. So if you're playing this travel hacking game and you have like a handful of credit cards open or more than a handful of credit cards open, like I do and like many people do, then... Uh, as long as you're behaving responsibly, a lot of your cards are going to just kind of increase in credit limit. The banks will reach out and they'll say, like, do you want to increase by $1,000 here? Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden you have tons of available credit. Um, usually because of the way we do this, where we're opening cards and getting sign-up bonuses and reaching minimum spends and things, a lot of people will end up having a proportionately high overall credit limit relative to their income, right? And the downside that's good overall it means first of all you're responsible it means the banks like you and it comes with the other perks that i just explained to you a minute ago the downside is that when you want to go to maybe a different bank that you don't have a relationship with and open a new credit card or something they might look at your profile and say like we see that you have a good credit score you're responsible but you just have so so much available credit we don't want to to lend to you you just have way too much available credit and that happens sometimes uh, even if you have a really good credit score. And so sometimes decreasing your credit limit, like if you don't need it, it can be helpful because then when you want to go ask for more credit somewhere else, 
they'll be more inclined to lend you credit because you don't have an overwhelming amount of overall available credit. And so, yeah, sometimes I've done that when I have cards with massive credit limits that I don't really use. So there are definitely cards where I want a high limit. Um, and then there are cards like, for example, I mentioned my oldest card that I just put $1.50 on every month. I don't need that card to have a credit limit of more than realistically $100, but that's not usually possible. So like $1,000, I think, is my limit on that card. It's very, very low. It was much higher, but I asked them to decrease my credit limit because available credit would be, for me, would be much better used with more valuable cards. And I just, I just don't need it. And so sometimes there is a strategic advantage to decreasing your overall credit limit. So, okay, we'll leave it there. Hopefully that breaks down how this all works, some tools and strategies you can use to um, work around your credit cards and your statements, and hopefully just have a better grasp on what your credit score is, maybe not be so afraid of opening cards and how that affects your credit score. And yeah, thanks for tuning in. I'll see you in the next episode.